All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 74 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. Uh, I am Lonnie Weissar, SDL Kiss on the Kiss FAQ message board. And on the show today is Daniel, the wheeze, all the way from Sweden. Mark, Marcus Almighty on the board. And Ken, 69th Blizzard on the board. So as you can see, we are without Julian today. Um, he has left us and will edit this episode severely before he puts it online. <laughs> because I'm sure he'll, he'll preview it before he goes through and take out the stuff he doesn't want. Um, so, some things going on in the KISS world this week. We had the release of the much-anticipated KISS Vegas, KISS Rocks Vegas premiere um, in movie theaters, which um, I went and saw with some of my buddies. Um, Mark said he went and saw it, and Ken, I think you did too, right? Yep, I saw it. Daniel, you missed out. You didn't go. Did they have a Did they have a uh, a showing in Sweden at all? No. I think no. No showing mm. in Sweden. So I went to the Vegas show, and it was very true to what one of those Vegas shows were. I mean, it was the exact set list that they played, and minus some of uh, the Paul stage banter and the uh, teasing of, "Do you want me to come out there and see you?" They didn't do the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, get the needle to go all the way to the red gag in the video. But other than that, it was it was pretty true to form. Um, what'd you guys think of it, Mark? What'd you What'd you think of the movie? Well, I got there uh, a little late. I got there about halfway through Gene's little segment there, where he was talking about stuff. And uh, but you know, I saw the whole actual concert part, and you know, it was it was it was good. It was Kiss. It was what you came to expect from a Kiss show. You know, being as diehard a KISS fan as I guess we all are who watch this and who are on the board. I mean, there wasn't many surprises set list-wise, obviously. But, you know, I think this movie was really good for one thing. If you had friends that weren't into KISS or were just borderline KISS fans and you really wanted to win them over into going to see a KISS concert with you next time, this was a good thing to bring them to to kind of get them to have a bit of an experience of seeing KISS, because while it's not the same thing as seeing a KISS concert, they do get to experience some of the, you know, things that you would see at a KISS concert. I think it was beneficial in that sense that maybe it would be good to maybe win over some people, and maybe maybe that's why they did this. Maybe they wanted to bring in some, you know, new, new people into their audience, you know, maybe some younger people who are, you know, the movie-going crowd, you know, sometimes they're a bit younger, these people. So who knows, right? I mean, there wasn't a heck of a lot of people at the theater where I went. But, you know, I guess, you know, on one hand, it only maybe appealed to maybe the hardcore fans. But, you know, it, it was good. I mean, there were certain things about it I thought that was kind of weird. Like when they, whenever there was pyro, it, it seemed very obvious that they kind of overdubbed some extra effect onto, the, onto those pyro shots that was a little, you know, unbelievable to my ears. But... You know, what do you expect? You know, this is Kiss. They they had to overdub, right? All the way since Kiss Alive One, right? So, but that's that's what I think. I thought it was pretty good. No big surprises for me, but it was good. Good camera angles. The effects were nice. You know, 
it was it was I think it was done in surround in the theater I went to. I'm pretty sure it was like that for most places, but you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was it was what I expected it to be for the most part. Um Ken, what about you? What do you think before I Yeah, it was to me it was one of the better you know kiss uh live concert films that uh you know we've seen um it's since they're not doing that quick shot of something and then they quick go to another shot and then quick to another shot it's like wait a minute i can't follow this it's gonna give me a headache like this. yeah you're gonna give me a so uh <laughs> it, it was much much better uh very well done as far as editing um now uh as for uh, sound, I guess in our theater, to me, I, I needed it louder. I wanted it louder, you know, like a concert. Um, I just wanted it louder, and I thought that would have been a little bit better to turn it up a little bit. Um, the other thing, though, that uh, I was thinking is that, man, I wish they would have done a, a, had a, the technology or the uh, film something in this fashion back when they were at their prime. Um, I was just thinking that when I was while I was watching, man, man, if they could see them in their excitement when they were running around the stage, when they had all that energy and stuff, and uh, that would just have been fantastic. I mean, right, we got bootlegs and you know pro shot stuff, but that's still not the same as what they were trying to go for here. As for the quality, I thought it, you know, to me it wasn't high definition enough. I, to me, it wasn't clear. It's clear picture. Maybe it's going to be fine on Blu-ray, you know, watching it on TV. But but watching it in a theater, it just didn't seem the picture quality wasn't as clean as I would have thought it might be uh, with today's technology. Um, but having said that, it was enjoyable. Um, all the expected things that you, you want from a KISS concert. And it was like, in a way, like being at a KISS concert. Um watching it on the big screen like that. So um, I like that they cut out a lot of stage banter from Paul <laughs> and, and that uh, you could tell that they, they fixed vocals definitely on Paul. Uh, I think even on jeans uh, and to, to an extent um, uh, you could just, you could just tell. A little bit. You know, uh, you know, you know. It was interesting though. There was a couple of edits that were kind of interesting. That I don't know if people caught or maybe I was just hearing things. But at the end of Hell or Hallelujah, Tommy did a little bit of a guitar solo. And didn't Paul say, you know, didn't he say Tommy and Eric? You know, yeah, at the did. end, it, it almost seemed like he. And there was no Eric thing in there, so it's almost like they cut out his little segment from another and, show, and then they whoops, yeah, they forgot that they forgot part. The, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, they can merge those shows together, of course, into one film, you know, one concert. So. Yeah, I wasn't at, I think they, the, the shows that they filmed for that, I think, were, were the last weekend of the Vegas residency. I was out okay. there, um, I think, the, I was out there the weekend before that. So I wasn't, like, necessarily at those shows that I could say, yeah, he said Tommy and Eric that night, one of those two nights or whatever. But I thought that, I, I think that was kind of planted in there almost, that he said Tommy Thayer, Eric Singer, or and I don't know if he said their last names or not, but it was definitely left in there. It was definitely in there on purpose. Like I said, Tommy and Eric, um, yeah. where that, where that took place at. Um, I'm with you, Ken, that I can tell you could, I mean, I've, I've seen him live enough the last few years that I know Paul doesn't sound that good, um, <laughs> live. So I think there was some, definitely some heavy editing going on. 
Yeah, but but that's to be expected. I mean, they they edited Kiss Alive. They edited Alive yeah, Two. You know, Alive Three might have been mostly recorded in a studio for all we know. <laughs> so, um, I think that the you know that, that is, was it very obvious that it was. It's yeah. obvious, I think, to to a Kiss fan that has seen them multiple yeah. times since yeah. about two thousand nine, maybe when the when the vocal problem started um, creeping out. But I think to a average fan, maybe not not as much. Yeah. I, I don't think an average yeah. fan would would necessarily notice. I think a fan who who spends time on the FAQ or spends time on Facebook, you know, analyzing everything about the band is is going to recognize it. Hey, okay, I don't think that 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 was necessarily true to form. But you know, yeah. I, I think I think it was done well. I think the editing with Paul's voice was done well, and the fact that it's not like obvious that it's like. You know, okay, that's obviously him not singing right there. Obviously, that that's like auto tuned the crap out of or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like overly done. I mean, Paul doesn't sound like he did in 1993 or anything like that either on the video. You can tell, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not overly done. That it's it's not blatantly obvious. Like you know, Paul Stanley does not sound like that anymore or anything like that. But yeah. you can tell that there were some parts that were that were tweaked for sure. Um, one thing too, I don't know if you guys noticed too, like when they hoisted Gene up into the rafters, yeah. and like the crowd just got insanely loud, and they did that. Like and I've been at a Kiss show, and people people yell when that happens, but <laughs> it was like well overdone. Like yeah. like you guys were mentioning about the pyro, like the crowd just got super loud when Gene got hoisted up into the air, and I was like, all right, that I get it, but that's a little overdone right there. So it was like it was like definitely it was like the loudest part of the video was the but crowd that- yelling when Gene got hoisted but- up. But that's why I think that honestly that they were trying to use this video to reel in new people because think about it. When people go to a movie, they don't usually go by themselves. They usually bring some friends, try to convince a friend or two to come with them to their movie. And I think that that's what they were trying to do with this. They were trying to bring that. They were trying to get to that new person that was coming who's never seen them and kind of lure them in. Why? You know, that's why they would make such a huge, you know, overblown audience for when Gene goes up. Or they would make such huge pyro explosions because they wanted to impress those people. Kiss people who've already seen Kiss, they already know what to expect, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah," and we pick out these things. But these people who haven't seen them before, they're all new to this, right? Yeah, and I think those those, those parts of the video were highlighted um, very much. So, like, like Gene drooling the blood was a, was a they really was a big focal point of of that. I mean, it's a focal point of the show when you go see him live. But I think uh, there was a a lot of dramatic eff- emphasis put on that portion of it, as well as, you know, the confetti and rock and roll night. I think there was a dramatic, eff- you know, dramatic uh, effort put on that as well. And, and and Paul flying out, they made that a huge deal, you know, and really kind of showcased that also. So all the tricks, I think, were really showcased as much as they possibly could on that. Well, Mark, you say that, that, um, that you know, you think that they put it in the theater so that, Maybe they could lure in some new fans. Did, did you go with someone who had never seen Kiss before? Did you do something like that, or did you go with some buddies that have seen him before? You... Actually, I was supposed to go with somebody, but my my day was so hectic that day. Like I said, I got there late, and the person I was going to go with, he ended up having to go do some other stuff, and I was running behind. I just ended up going by myself because I wanted to go because I knew we were going to talk about it. It was just common sense that we would talk about it today, right? So I went because I wanted to just catch it, but... I would have gone. I was thinking about it before, maybe even bringing like a family member, you know, because I remember years and years and years ago for the uh, Psycho Circus tour, I brought two of my sisters with me who've never seen them and they had a blast. 
at the show. Like they and they, the all they knew from Kiss was like Beth and I was made for loving you. Like literally, the singles were the only thing they knew, right? So, so I I was gonna I was thinking about bringing them, but you know, they have three kids now, each sister, and they're so tied up with family stuff. It's almost impossible to bring them out. But it, I think it is a good idea though, in that sense, to you know, to bring out somebody to this thing. I think they would. It would make new people interested in the band. I think. What do you think? Will it be a DVD? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's I gonna think. It's going to be DVD, Blu-ray. Blu-ray. They're also going to. They talked about. I think Tommy said uh, it's going to be a special um, vinyl, right? Vinyl on this, and there's a special different sets for different things you could buy. Of course. Oh, fuck. One's going to be with a with a uh, with a. 60-page book or something like that, I think it was. Something like that. But uh, Make me buy yeah. it four times. God damn it. Get me in trouble, with my, get me in trouble with my wife. The vinyl, I'll yeah. buy the same damn thing four times. We'll get the vinyl get the for vinyl. sure and a, and a Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Pull the same kiss, Kissology trick on me and make me go buy it multiple times again. Damn it. That sucks. <laughs> That's not good news. So anyway, no, no, I, I, I did hear there would be a... I heard that Tommy said that over the... Uh, at the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Kiss Expo, that there would be a, a DVD. Yeah, I would. Movies. I would recommend it. Anybody who hasn't didn't get to go see it, to, you know, definitely, like Daniel here, uh, pick it up. Oh, I would. It's, it's worth it. It'll be worth it. If you, if yeah, you especially compare, on Blu-ray. If you compare it with uh, the one they released in 2004, Rock the Nation, would you say it's better or worse? Uh, I think it's better than Rock the Nation. Um, though I enjoy Rock the Nation for its. Uh, song selection that they they played there, um, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's better, it's a better uh, production job on the the recording of the video. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed it more than than Rock the Nation. Also, um, I thought Rock the Nation Rock the Nation reminds me. A lot of the symphony show where it's almost to me it's almost unwatchable. Symphony, I can't I can't watch it without without getting it. It's hard to watch. So, uh, but you you could you could use the kiss camera or whatever it was called and just follow one member at the Rock the Nation, right? Yeah, yeah, that that was okay. Yeah, that's a way that's a to thing. get away from the bad editing. <laughs> um, all right, so those are our, those are our thoughts on the. Uh, on the movie, so did you go see it? If anybody was watching, did you go see it? What did you think of it? Just give us your, give us some feedback on that. I'd like to know what everybody on the board thought of the movie. Um, I know there's already threads on it, but still, you can still comment on the show and tell us what you think. And did you agree with us? Did you think that there was some overdubbing? Did you think that, you know, it was? Did it remind you of the symphony too much or Rock Nation too much? It was unwatchable because it, it's it's shot in the same kind of format where there's you know, some views of the band, then views of, of the crowd. And it's kind of the same style, like the Tommy Thayer production type style of it um, as those other two. But All right, so the main topic on today's show, though, is we are going to do some more top threes that we've done in the past. Um, talk about our favorite, different aspects about the band, or top three favorite things about different <laughs> topics of the band. Um, and we might get into some of our, our worst threes also. Those are almost a little bit more fun because it's almost a little more humorous to talk about some of those things too. So, um, we're going to start off with top. This is just all opinions and we want to hear your opinions on it too. So let's start off with top three kiss 
tours. I mean, we all look back on tours and say, oh, you know, I didn't like anything about this tour from the set list to the look of the band to the stage setup or, or, you know, we did like things about this tour. Like what are your three favorite tours that the band has, has gone out on that you say, man, that's a real, you know, feather in the cap that they really nailed it on that tour. So Daniel, these, these are, this is kind of your, these are your shows, these top threes. So we're going to start with you. So what are your, what are your three favorite Kiss tours that they put on? There are a lot of good tours, but I'd say the first tour is one of them. Maybe in third place, uh, the first, first and second tour, uh, where the, the band is raw, they're hungry, uh, they're feeling their way out, what to do, and so on. But uh, I always think about that uh, Winterland concert. Is that the Hotter Than Hell tour, or is it? Yeah. Hotter Than Hell. Yeah. Yeah. But they are kind of the same. The first two tours, uh, they look the same somewhat. And, but the early tours, I would say, is a big favorite of, of mine. Uh, even though you miss a lot of songs, it's so, um, you know, it's kissing its, how do you say, an infancy. Inf- when yeah. They are, infancy. Yeah, infancy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, infancy, yeah. So I like that one. And then I would have to say Love Gun, of course. Uh, they are firing on all cylinders. Uh, Actually, the one maybe the last tour when they were like Kiss. After that tour, they started looking too much at other stuff and started to change up a lot of things and uh, strayed away from the original Kiss sound. So Love Gun, of course, or Alive 2 um, tour is up there right after Houston 77 is uh, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. That's one you would like to see in perfect mint condition mm. in a theater mm. that would be great um, and actually my number one tour is way later on because it was such a surprise that they were able to pull this off at this point of time and it's the hot in the shade tour uh, after crazy after the crazy nights tour one thought it was almost over I mean they looked they looked like they were go- yeah, they looked like they were going through the motions and shorter set lists. And shorter set lists. Yeah. And the albums were only getting worse and worse. <laughs> and then, yeah, the don't you agree? Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, Crazy Nights, it wasn't a good album. And then Hot in the Shade, to me, was is maybe even a worse album because it's so eclectic. Uh, you can't really get a grip of it. Uh, and then they start off the tour and it's such a cool looking stage new effect i don't know how they were able to to finance all that with with the you know hard the shade didn't sell a lot and crazy nights didn't sell a lot so they were always like kind of you know making the stage smaller and smaller but for hard in the shade they they took a big leap forward and uh, it's great and those two detroit concerts are two of my absolute favorites so hot in the shade is actually in first place for me nice yeah it's that's an excellent pick because i think a lot of us are going to talk about makeup and stuff like that but um talk about hot in the shade the band coming back opening up with i store your love you know the the sphinx in the background it was like a kiss finally getting back to what doing what they do best and that's putting on the live show so that's that's a yeah a great number one and a final thing was that it was clear that they didn't need the makeup. It was so cool that they could 
You know, they could put on a show without the makeup. Put on a show without the makeup. Absolutely. I think it was almost the first time they were this good after like the Creatures of Night tour. So I think it was really cool. It's a good one. Mark, what about you? What do you got? Well, um, I, my top three are based on, you know, my favorite, but also they're also two of them are, well, one of them at least is one that I've actually attended. So, um, my number three one is actually the reunion tour because that was the very first tour I got to see Kiss myself. Because, I mean, seeing all these shows on video at home and stuff like that, that's one thing. But it's not the same thing as actually being at a concert, you know? I mean, you can turn up your TV as loud as you want. It's never going to be the same thing as being in the, in the concert watching it. So while I'll, I'll admit that it's, you know, it's they were never at the point that they were on some of the shows that Daniel brought up. For me, this show, this tour was special because I got to see them in person. I got to see the things like firsthand, got to feel, you know, the, the heat of the pyro and stuff like that. So that tour to me is always going to be special to me, even if they weren't at their peak performing level at that point of their career. But I, I just wanted to experience it for myself. And that was at least... I was at least happy that I got to see them on that tour because already by Psycho Circus, it started to kind of drop a little bit by that point already. So number three for me would be the reunion show. Number two for me, I'll have to mirror Daniel. I have to say that Hot in the Shade is probably one of the ones that I really, really love for a lot of the same reasons that Daniel brought up. I mean, the set list was great. They were playing great. They seemed very inspired at that point. It really seemed like they had everything rolling again. And, you know, because even from watching the footage of the Crazy Night Show before, it just looked like they were looking at their watches half the time and wondering how much, how many more songs they had to do before they can get, get the hell out of there, right? And it was just the total opposite vibe, you know, on that, on that tour, or at least in those shows that I've seen, you know? And, you know, it, it they played a great set list. They brought back a lot of the old songs and stuff like that. And I think that's what... You know, at that point, people were kind of getting hungry for was the old material again because they've heard enough of probably the Lick It Up stuff and, you know, all those songs, animalized stuff at that point because they were playing so much of it during those 80s era, right? But, um, yeah, I got to really say that's one of my favorite because I also love that Sphinx that they brought on stage. I thought it was a really, really cool stage prop to have on there. So that's definitely high on my list number two. And number one for me is always going to be the one that I always refer to and talk about whenever I talk about KISS concert tours is, is it's alive. I mean, one of my very first bootlegs I ever got was the Kobo Hall shows that they had then when they were on the Alive tour. And it's just just fantastic. I mean, the, when I watch those videos still now, I'm always impressed at how good the footage of it is. Because I even had a VHS copy of it long before I got it on Kissology. And I was always surprised that this was footage from like 75, 76, you know, like this is, and it looked really good. And <clears throat> the performances were great. I thought Peter Chris in particular was on fire at that point in his career. You know, 100,000 years was just unbelievable to see them perform then. And it, it, it was just everything about the sound of that tour, even Alive itself, like there was something about the sound of the band at that time that they never really had after that. I don't know if it was just of some of the miking techniques they used for the tours and stuff, how they mic'd up the drum kits were different because later on 
it was it was a bit different. This is getting a little you know gear geeky at this point. But you know if you look at how they mic the drum kit on the live, they didn't put a mic on every single drum. They kind of placed it in between in spots, and maybe that you know accounted for some of the difference in the tone of his drum set because later on it never really sounded like that, especially his drum kit. I found, but I really loved that tour. I thought that the live was fantastic. You know. They had a lot of great songs already then, songs that people still love to this day, like Cold Gin and, you know, Deuce and Strutter and Firehouse and stuff like that. It was it was just basically the blueprint of everything that came afterward, I thought, was that tour. So Alive is number one for me. Yeah, those, those Kobo 76 videos are just fantastic. I mean, you can see how much energy the band had and how hungry they were. And even I guess even by January 76, they had really were making it, maybe not made it yet, but they were definitely in the right track. Obviously, they were, they knew that they were on the verge of becoming a major success. But you could still see how hungry they were. It reminds you of that Winterland show, like like Daniel was talking about too. That Winterland show, they're just so on fire. Those early videos yeah. were just, I just wish there were more of them. You know, and I mean, there's, there just couldn't be enough of them in my opinion. They're so great. So, Ken, what about you? Now you've seen a bunch of tours. Well, so, and I'm not trying to call you out I'm or, just anything, kinda or, going, or anything, but yeah. no, I'm, I'm going. You've I mean, witnessed more in person. I started '79, right? But I mean, you've the witnessed first more. Tour I saw was '79, so um, I'm taking it from that. I mean, I could say, yeah, their first tour was. If I would have saw them on their very first album tour, uh, I probably would have said, yeah, that's probably the greatest show I've ever seen because it was. It would have been just amazing to see. Uh, coming out of the gate for them. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, the few that uh, tours that uh, I, I went and saw. So um, I'm going to go with uh, one of them is uh, the Dynasty Tour, which is the first time uh, I had my chance to see them. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting stage uh, design and, you know, flashy. And then they had the colors of their... <laughs> of the dynasty colors and the the four different colors and of their outfits, um, but uh, it was good and it was just an excitement thing, you know. Uh, being there for the first time, it was kind of just like a, you know, it just went by so fast. I think I was having so good of a time. I almost don't know, <laughs> can't remember a whole lot about it anymore. Uh, certain things I do remember, but I remember like you guys were talking about the flash pots, or you, you feel the fire. Uh, that from the, the heat from the fire for the first time at a Kiss concert, um, when the flames went up, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I guess that's you know that's warm." I thought well, it got got to be pretty warm for them on stage, um, and that stuff like that. And so that was a big experience for me. So that's one of the concert tours. Another one was Hot in the Shade, like you guys have mentioned. Uh, that's because one of the best stages, yeah, that the Sphinx was awesome you know it it was functional uh besides that they had lasers going on that tour too um all at once plus and then their set list itself was just awesome and uh, bringing back the old tunes and uh you could see that they had a, a the hunger was coming back in that tour um that they were they were starting to appreciate and not ignore the past like they had been on prior tours to that. So that's another one. Um, my third would be um, Creatures of the Night. 
And uh, again, I was fortunate enough to see that three shows on Creatures of the Night. So that was, I mean, just the album itself. When I got the album, I knew they were back. And then to see them in tour and see the hunger and the ferocity of the way they were performing on stage, plus the stage itself with the tank and the treads and the turrets and the the exhaust pipes, you know, the, the whole thing. Um, was just a great, perfect stage. The outfits were were great. They they went back to the more streamlined things, not the well. There's no elder outfits or dynasty outfits on that on that tour. The, you know they they went back to their uh, more uh, bread and butter type outfits of uh, destroyer, like close to destroyer, love gun mix kind of thing. So. That was a tour. That was awesome. Uh, you know, that was just a, a total excitement to see that one. So that's, that's, I wouldn't say it's, now it's not my best three shows, but it's my best, best three, three tours. I'm calling it tours. So that's it. I'm very jealous of all the tours that you've seen, by the way. I've mentioned <laughs> that before, but I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> so my three, I kind of took the kind of the same perspective Ken did, although. I haven't seen as many tours. I kind of took the same direction Ken did. Well, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, well, should I, you know, I, I love those bootlegs of, of Cobo Hall 76. And I, you know, and I, I love Largo 77 and, you know, all those other bootlegs and that too, of these great tours that they put on. But, um, I kind of took the same perspective Ken did. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the shows that I've tours that I've seen. So my third, and granted, and understand, I first time I saw the band wasn't until '96 on the reunion tour, so I don't have as much history to to back up. But my third one, I'm gonna say, is Alive '35, and the reason, and it's, but it's not the U.S. leg of Alive '35. It's actually the Canadian leg of Alive '35 they did in the summer of 2009 before Sonic Boom came out. I went and saw them. They played a show in Milwaukee, like the weekend before 4th of July, and I drove up there to Milwaukee and saw them up there in the second row. And then the weekend after 4th of July, they played in Sarnia, Canada, mm. and then down in, and then the next night down in Windsor. So then I drove up to Sarnia and saw them up there, and then drove down to Windsor the next night, and I saw those two shows. And the reason why um, I say though that's my third favorite is because... Of and I say those over the U.S. leg of that tour is because of the set list, and they were that's when they were still doing alive from start to finish. Well, basically alive from start to finish. They didn't do Firehouse and they didn't do Rock Bottom. But other than that, the main set was Deuce all the way through Rock and Roll Night. They switched Let Me Go Rock and Roll and Rock and Roll Night, but and I I get it why, but. Um, and then they came back out and did Detroit Rock City and and uh, I Love It Loud and some other hits and things like that. But it was, but Mark, you were talking about you know the, the timeless songs of like Deuce and Strutter and songs like that on that Alive tour, and it you know resonated for me seeing those shows and seeing that album, you know, basically that album in its entirety, yeah. just going through like. And you, and you know what song's coming next, but man, you do strutter, got to choose, like bam, bam, bam. That's just so freaking awesome. I mean, and you, 
you're like almost imagining yourself watching that live album live on stage in front of you. I mean, and I know it's Tommy and Eric and you can say what you want, but seeing that was just fantastic. So that's my first one. That's my third one. My second one, number two, is going to be Rock the Nation Tour. Um, because they changed up the set list and they played on that tour. I saw a couple. I saw St. Louis and I think I saw Memphis on that show, on that tour also. And they played, you know, they mixed things up a little bit. And they played, you know, they brought Got the Shoes Back. They played Unholy. They played God Gave Rock and Roll to You. They played Making Love. And they they changed things up from what we had been hearing for the last, since, since 96 up until the start of that tour. Because even when they did that Aerosmith tour in 03, it was still that, it was like the farewell set, like a shortened farewell set list, basically, when they opened up for Aerosmith. It was Detroit Rock City coming down from the ceiling. Like, didn't I see this three years ago in the farewell tour? <laughs> it really, it was the same stage even, too. It was yeah. just like, didn't I just see this three years ago? And, and there's a different lead guitarist now. But anyway, <laughs> that was, I mean, it was, but when they came back the next year, and it was, Basically the same stage again, but with some monitors and that. And they, oh yeah, we got a brand new stage. No, no, you don't. But <laughs> it was, but it was, but they mixed things up finally. And it's something that Kiss fans have been begging for since they put back on the makeup. Was you know, play some other songs, and they and they did, and it was fantastic. You know, so and then my first one um, is the reunion tour, simply because it was the first time I saw them. Saw them twice in the tour, also. And like Ken was saying, I mean, you'll never forget. Like you're at the show, and you've, and I'm upstairs in the upper bowl at the arena, and like the flash pots go off for a hundred thousand years, and you can still feel the heat from the upper bowl up there. It's like, good God, feeling that heat, you know, at a Kiss show, seeing that pyro for the first time. Something that obviously, obviously, stuck with me twenty years later, and you know, changed my life, made me. It's a big part of who I am. It's because of those because of those reunion shows. So the reunion tour is definitely number one for me. There's no question about it. So, um, and that's the small sample sample size because although I reunion tour was 20 years ago, my kiss my history of seeing shows only goes back to then. So I missed out on all those good shows that Ken's all those good tours that Ken got to see, Revenge and Hot in the Shade and Creatures of the Night. Still jealous. So, <laughs> um, so those are our top three sh- tours, in our opinion. I guess it more or less goes back to the shows that we've seen, though, too. But you guys talked about those tours with the vintage bootlegs and things like that, too. So, how about this one? We could be more subjective on this one. Top three songs that you want to hear Kiss do on the cruise this year. Now, keep in mind it's Creatures of the Night bass, but I'm they can still play whatever the hell they want to. So, well, on the Sail Away show, right? They could do whatever, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, they can they can do whatever they they want, regardless. So, I mean, they I mean Sail Away show. They started off with like Flaming Youth last year and like blew everybody yeah, away. Right. Like, holy yeah. shit! Yeah. So, yeah. they can play whatever they want. So, keep that. So, I mean, there's no limitations on this. So, yeah. Mark, let's start with you this time. What do you want to hear? Kiss. What would you like to hear? What would you like to see a YouTube video of Kiss doing on the cruise this year? Since none of us are going. <laughs> well. The funny thing is that we've been talking about maybe not necessarily this exact topic, but we're talking about songs that I think Kiss have hardly played 
and that we'd like to hear played. And one song that we brought up, and I think it was maybe even last episode, is I'd love to hear them do Naked City. That's one song that I really loved, and I thought it was one of the best songs that they did in that record. And I thought that, I thought that's one song that's really overdue to be played live. I mean, it's they've never played it. Why not bring it out? It's a Gene song. It'll save Paul's voice. You know, they can come out and play it. And you know, even in this configuration, they could it could sound a lot heavier than it actually did on Unmasked, right? So sure. I think that's a song that could uh you know can be pu- pulled out and played and make people. I think people would be very surprised to hear that song in a live setting now. So I think that that's one song I'd like to hear on there. Um, another song that I'd like to hear, and only because I bring this up because the last couple of nights I've been on YouTube and I've been just watching a few clips here and there of various concerts. And I saw a clip of where they did on the Japan tour, on the Farewell tour, where they did a little small segment of Mr. Speed. And I really loved how that came came across, even though they only played like about 35 seconds of it. But I'd really love to hear them do that in its entirety, like properly, like everything, all the little parts, all the little lead parts, and you know, do it do it up correctly, like how you should do it when you play a song, right? I mean, I think that's that's something that you know is is overdue to be played. You know, it's it's an old song. It's something that hasn't been played in a long time, and you know, I, I've always loved that song. So that's number two for me. And uh, number three, I was I was always kind of, you know, unsure about what to bring up for number three because, you know, there's so many songs in, a, in a, like in Kiss albums that are out there that you could pick from. But one song that I haven't heard them play or they have probably haven't played for a long time, if they've even played this, I'm trying to think back if they've ever played it, is King of the Mountain. I'd love to hear them do... That song. I don't know if I want to hear Richie. I want to hear Paul singing. Well, I love that song in general. Even musically, I think it's a fantastic song. I mean, sure, maybe Paul might butcher it a bit vocally, but even if they were to play that musically, like spot on, I think that Paul might be forgiven a little bit vocally because it's such a cool song and there's so many good things in that song. I think stuff that would show off the band a little bit more, like Eric could definitely show a bit more of his double kick playing on that song. And, you know, there's a, you know, a little bit more fire in the whole performance of that song in general. So I, I'd really love to hear that song too. So those are my three. They're good. I, you know, I think we'd all be happy with any, any one of those three show up in the set. Daniel, what about you? What do you got? Uh, it's great that Anthony Mark said that uh, he wanted to hear uh, uh, King of the Mountain. It was my pick when we thought when we talked about top three non-makeup songs. Mm-hmm. So that would be great to hear, even though it's hard to sing, maybe. But uh, uh, I think the, the fans of the original era, I mean, they have heard almost every song that is they can hear. I mean, they they always. <laughs> When they are going to to do a surprise song, they pick something from seventy three to eighty one, almost all the time. So, so yeah. that would be a surprise if they picked uh, an odd song from, I don't know, if they did Sweet Pain or something. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I want to hear a surprise from the eighty two and onwards onwards era. You know, that would be a real surprise. Uh, since they do, they're doing the creatures theme this year. I, w- I would like to hear Killers. Killers is my mm. one of my favorites from that album that hasn't been played. 
so that would be good. But other than that, I would like to hear some non-makeup songs, uh, and preferably something from Jean. Uh, and I'll just mention some of my favorite Jean songs from, from that era that hasn't really been played at all. One is like Thou Shalt Not. I think that one would be real cool to hear live, and it would suit, you know, the demon persona as well. Another one is um, Secretly Cruel from mm -hmm. Asylum. It would, yeah. would also go over well, and no one has ever heard it. And maybe, anyway, you slice it or something up tempo with Yin where he can show off some of his screams like a fits like a glove. Fits like a glove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that liked that song. But, you know, something like that would be really cool to see. I mean, oh my god, Gene Simmons doing the anyway you slice it and singing it with that aggressive tone. It would be great. Yeah, they haven't really played that. I don't think they, I think they played that what twice, I think, ever, and that yeah. was at the beginning of the Asylum the tour, I think. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's. You know what? It, I I have to agree with Daniel. That's one of those songs that you know when you first mention it, people kind of roll their eyes. But when you listen to it, like the other day, I listened to Asylum. I put it on my stereo downstairs, and I was like, "This is actually not Just a bad song." Just Julian because he's not here. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> well, Asylum's my favorite album, non-makeup album. But yeah, <laughs> but you know, I I I think it's, it's I think it's really kind of underrated. I think it's one of yeah. a really good the whole album. Songs. Yeah. yeah, all the Gene songs on that album are heavily uh, underrated. Yeah, I think he have has quite a few on that album that are, that will work live. Ken, what about you? What do you want to hear on the crew? What would you like to see him try? Uh, I would like to hear. Um, I, I do like you guys mentioning the naked. Uh, well, Naked City. That's one of my on my list. So Naked City is one of them. Um, uh, Daniel mentioned "Thou Shalt Not." Um, I, I crossed my mind when I was thinking of ones, but so that, so that's a good pick uh, right there too. Um, uh, so "Naked City" would be one for sure because that, like Mark said, that's just a a great song off of uh, "Unmasked," and uh, it needs to be done live. I think at least once, just do it once um, for us. <laughs> Another one that I would like to hear is "Not for the Innocent." Off a of look it up. Uh, I just love that song too, and I'd love to hear, you know, Gene uh, do that one um, live. I think that would go over well. Um, and then another one off a of look it up. I'd like to hear them do "Else Breaking Loose." Um, I, you know, they just need to to do it. Um, I think they did it. Well, played it maybe a couple times on tour back in when the album came out, maybe. <clears throat> but uh, when I saw them, they weren't. They didn't play that song. So I, I want to hear that. I really want to hear that one. Um, so that's the third one. And then another one as a possibility, even though it's a fourth for me, oh. uh, would be uh, I'd love to see them just do it for fun. I'd want to see them do It's My Life, do it live. And I'd just uh, I'd love to see that happen. Um, if they could just... <laughs> do it on the Sail Away tour. That would be awesome. Um, of course, I'm not going to the cruise uh, this year, but uh, uh, you know, I'd love to watch that back on YouTube or whatever uh, to see it, see it happen. 
Yeah, I agree. There's, I'm going to go, I'm going to say, since it is the um, Creatures of the Deep or whatever they're calling it, um, <laughs> I'm going to say Saint and Sinner. I think that'd be fun to hear off of yeah, Creatures yeah. of the Night. Good um, it's a good Gene song. You know, it's definitely doable for them. I'm going to say Domino off of Revenge. You know, Revenge had its anniversary, I guess it was last week or so, and, like, Paul tweeted out, like, Happy anniversary to revenge, you know, it still stands up. Well, well, they and they always talk, and I'm going to go on a revenge rant again on the show, but they always, Gene and Paul always talk about how great revenge was and how, you know, it, it was really us getting back into our, what we do best, and they always talk about how great that album is, but they never play anything off of it. They never do. I mean, if they play anything off of it, it's God Gave Rock and Roll to You, and they haven't played that in a while off of it anyway. So it's really... And they always talk about how great Creatures is, but they're and they're playing like three songs off of Creatures now on when they tour. They're you know they're back to playing Creatures of the Night. They always play War Machine. They always play I Love It Loud. But the other album they always talk about that they're really proud of is Revenge. But they they never play anything off of it. So mm-hmm. I say bring out bring out Domino. You haven't played it since MTV Unplugged probably in '95. So bring that back. And you guys mentioned Thou Shall Not. That'd be fantastic awesome and, and the cruise is the perfect time to play like a song like thou shall not i mean you couldn't get away with playing it in an arena or a outdoor shed or something like that but you could definitely get away with playing it on the cruise i think would go over huge with the fans that the fan base that, that's on the cruise so and my last one is gonna be i'm gonna say i'd like to hear kiss try baby driver with eric singing oh yeah <laughs> I think that'd be fun. That's a good one. I mean, and you know, people might think that's sacrilegious, but you know, if you can sing Beth, you can sing Baby Driver for sure. Yeah. So, I think that I think that'd be. Fun. I think Eric's vocals would be would be really fun on that, and I think people would would really get a kick out of hearing him do it. So notice how nobody mentioned any Ace songs that they want Tommy to sing, but yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, speaking of, you're talking about. I mean, this 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 top three as a as a Kiss Cruise related subject. Um, also at that Indianapolis show, I, Tommy said it sounded like they're going to try to play most of the Creatures album. It's what, That'd be fantastic. I, that's, I thought he said something like that. And, that, that. and the other thing is, he even mentioned about wearing the Creatures outfits. Which yeah, made I've me heard think, that. well, is he going to wear Vinnie Vincent's type design? And, and or is, is he going to wear the Ace well, with the lightning bolt? Yeah, well, yeah, well, they do the Ace Freely Lightning Boat and Bolt, and what what will Eric Singer wear? Eric Cars? They, I did hear that they Seems are. Like they're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. People were speculating. Well, maybe they'll wear Vinny and and Eric's makeup. They definitely said that they're not gonna do. They're not gonna change the makeup, but the that. outfits they may do. So, would, how would Eric look in a fox? Would 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 it work well with Eric in the fox type outfit? I don't know. It's gonna yeah. be weird. Well, if he can do Peter, he can do. <laughs> I guess you can do Fox yeah. or you can do yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. This point doesn't matter, right? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think anything's off limits at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I kind of like Ace Frehley's uh, the elder costume, but but if people give it a lot of flack, but, but people do give it a lot of flack. I think it's different yeah. though. But, but I think it's cool. It's that'd be the one I want to see. The lightning bolt. That's yeah, that'd be, that'd be better than the the mini. Yeah. 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 That'd be the one I want to see, as opposed to the yeah. mini costume. I'd want to see that that Ace Frehley lightning bolt 
costume. I think that'd be. Okay. I think that's I think what people would be more would. more interested in seeing is that. Yeah. As opposed to, oh yeah, that's Vinny's costume from the Creature Store. Oh yeah. So I think that'd be more. And, he's, and he's, obviously he's not going to wear the Vinny makeup. So I think that would make the logical sense that he would wear that that outfit. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, wish I was going. My I took my wife on Kiss Cruise too. She didn't sleep for five days. She couldn't sleep on the boat. So. Oh, she said cruises are out of question, so I'm still oh. going. <laughs> um, let's do a worst three. Let's do worst three album covers. We talked about we did one sh- one of our top three shows. We talked about you know best album covers. There's some bad album covers out there though too. You know, there's we talked about how great Destroyer is and and how great. Rock and roll over is, but there are some bad ones out there too. So, what do you guys have for your worst three Kiss album covers? And Mark, you're shaking your head. You got you got some on your mind, I think. All right, so what you got? Well, my my top three worst ones. Um, I think that I kind of talked about them too when when we were doing that whole thing about the you know what would we do to improve certain album covers. And I think I'd have to stick with the ones that I pretty much talked about then. The one, my my least favorite cover has got to be Crazy Nights. I've never liked Hell's that album. Julian's like one of Julian's favorites. <laughs> I know. I, I've, <laughs> I've always hated that one. I mean, to me, that just that that just that cover to me just never signified anything to do with Crazy Nights. I mean, a broken mirror with their faces in it. I mean, that's just how that has anything to do with Crazy Nights is just beyond me. But I just I mean the back of that, but you can say that might be one of the worst back covers too. Is like Paul showing off his thong on the back cover? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not even go down that path. But, yeah. That's another so yeah, but I mean that's definitely my my number one least favorite cover. I mean, my number two least favorite cover is Hot in the Shade. I mean, that one again is another one of these ones that just doesn't make any sense to me i mean a sphinx with shades on him i mean come on man like you could have thought of so many different better images to use for hot in the shade and i will you know if you haven't seen the episode where i talked about this i will bring it up really quickly but i'm telling you do you can do you have a drawing you can show (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know where that drawing disappeared to that i had last time i just shredded it but uh, like I said, the the girl with the suntanned, you know, kiss yeah. logo in her, that that would be a hundred thousand times better than what they had for the actual album cover. So that's my number two least favorite. And uh, you know, as much as I love Asylum, it is my favorite non-makeup album. I gotta admit that that's gotta be a pretty bad album cover. And like I said before, there's many different options they could have used for making a better cover for that. You know, like actually incorporating some sort of an asylum picture into it. But, you know, that that, that to me is just terrible. I mean, I understand the idea of using the colors and bringing those back to kind of bring back a little bit of the old school feel to it. But it just didn't look right with them, you know. Green lipstick on, you know, Eric Carr just looked wrong. I mean, come on. Really, you didn't like that? No, yeah. it's it just come on. <laughs> but yeah, those are my those are my those are my three worst album huh. covers. <laughs> I don't I don't think anybody's gonna argue with you on those. <laughs> Daniel, what about you? 
I have to actually say Sonic Boom. Uh, hmm. I mean, I'm sure you guys, as well as me, had great expectations for that one. You know, they hired that artist, and you, mm-hmm. you thought that it would be pretty similar to Rock and Roll Over, uh, but it was nothing like Rock and Roll Over, next to the colors, maybe. It was so off. I don't know what happened, but I guess the way Paul presented it to, to the artist uh, destroyed the cover. He gave the artists some things that they had to do, like the faces. Mm-hmm. He, he refused to let the. He didn't want the faces paint. drawn. He wanted like. No, a, he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And right there, you you missed out on a great opportunity. I mean, that album with a great cover, I think it would have sold a lot better. That album, that album cover looks like I don't know what, and it's not. It's so far from Kisses. Album covers. They could just have used like an, a, a photo of, of the band, like they did on the next album, and it would have been better. So uh, yeah. that's one of my least favorites, and it was a, a, an opportunity missed out on real bad there. Um, and then also, I have to say, Hot in the Shade, of course. What a terrible, terrible album cover. Who did? You want to know who 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 decided that? Let's use this one for an album cover. And <laughs> also, so far away from what... It looked like a stock photo they found somewhere, and they just put sunglasses on it. Yeah. A kid using Photoshop for the first time. Wow, it looks <laughs> great. I put, a, put a pair of yeah. sunglasses on, on the swings. What a great... Pre-Photoshop. Pre- terrible. But, but then uh, I kind of enjoyed some of the T-shirts designs that they had later on, you know. They had mm. one that when they were dressed all in black, and Bruce was sitting on a bar stool, and there were like uh, star-shaped white stripes behind them. Looked kind of cool. They could have just used that one or the other one when, <clears throat> sorry, they came out, came up from some sort of water, and you had a swing in the background that looked a little bit cooler, and there were some neon neon colors. Would have been better as well, but that album cover is. You know, that album, uh, I guess that's my least favorite album cover of all time. And also, <laughs> I have to add, uh, The Elder, I mean, well, kind of <laughs> similar to Hot in the Shade. I mean, it has nothing to do with Kiss. Um, Animalize is also an album cover where, where they don't have any Kiss member on, on the cover. But at least uh, Leopard Skins were cool. <laughs> In 1984. <laughs> you see, Paul has the, has, the, has, the, has the guitar he's bringing out for the cruise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I saw that. Um, $10,000, and you can have one, I think. Sweet, sweet action. Yeah, sweet action. <laughs> so, so, The Elder was also terrible. So, that's my three. three. The Elder, Heart in the Shade, and uh, what else did I say? Sonic, Sonic Boom. Boom. Yeah. Sonic Boom. Oof. All bad as well. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Ken, what about you? Do you have any any different ones? I could probably pick six, easy. But yeah. uh, um, I'm gonna, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll agree with uh, Mark on the Asylum. That that thing. You know, I, I just don't get it. That just to me, even looking at it when I bought it. When it came out, I'm like, "Oh no, this is an ugly design." 
I mean, I just knew right off the bat. It's like this, this makes them look ugly. Even you know, photo wise, you know, uh, it just is not attractive at all. So that's 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 one of them. Um, another one is what we talked about before in that other episode about covers. Uh, uh, animalized, you know, it's just. Why? Again, it's just blah. Simple. You'd just taken the makeup off too. Why didn't you put another picture of you without the makeup on yeah, the cup? You know what I mean? They could have done it. Uh, Doesn't make any sense. I mean, I would have rather them had the the back cover on the front uh, <laughs> of that album. Oh yeah. Even um, would have been better. So that's that's a horrible one. Um, and then another one though, which I don't like. It's not horrible, but again, I mentioned this too on the other that other show. Um, I don't like Monster. I don't like that cover. I think it's it's just too obvious to me. It's just like another stock photo, a promotional photo for them, you know, that they would put in a on the web, uh, you know, when if they're being mentioned, say on VH1 site or CNN or whatever, that's a stock photo. Yeah, this is Kiss. Right. And also, it's obviously photoshopped, you know, with Gene's banana there being removed. His banana, yeah. His, yeah. His I banana. don't mean his banana. I mean the banana over there. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. The peeled you guys banana. talked about, wasn't it okay. peeled like the seven-inch something a few episodes back? Peeled seven-inch banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was me. Gene's banana. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's you don't need to see Gene's banana. Oh, only in your so. dirty minds. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mentioned in the other episode, uh, I would have rather them have the, the monster. You know, what does monster mean? There's no song on the album saying monster. There's no lyric yeah, that even mentions monster. You know, turn them into zombies. Turn that that picture even that they have and Photoshop it into something. Play it up or something. Yeah, play it up to the monster theme. They didn't do it. So it's it's just too generic stock photo kind of thing as far as I'm concerned. It felt like they they were looking for the monster drink to sponsor them and then the whole thing fell through and they kept it. (laughs) Probably. I I would not be surprised surprised. if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, the monster tour, you know, monster, because monster energy, any energy drink has sponsored like other tours and things like that. I think yeah, they're probably hoping they're yeah. probably hoping or, or maybe they had a tentative deal worked out or something and they were yeah. saying, yeah, it's going to happen. Just call the album monster. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, sounds like Gene's idea. Right. Yeah. So monster was actually on, on my list too, that I think that. The whole, going back to what Ken was saying, calling the album Monster, and here's a stock photo of the band. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't make any sense to me why that album's called Monster because it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, a song on there. There's not a, a cover on there that has... It, it, it was just... It was really a head-scratcher, and it still is to this day of why that's... It doesn't make any sense to me at all. The only thing I can think of is what happened to the band. The band became kind of a monster, you know, uh, the sure. different members sure. and everything, and, and the, 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 the band became a monster that couldn't be controlled, became success, <laughs> successful, 
even yeah. though they had a lot of. That's the only thing I yeah. can think of. Yeah. But that's pretty far. That's stretching it. Yeah. Yeah. My second is Unmasked. I think it's a. It's just. I think it's just a crappy cover, and having, you know. It captioned on the bottom of the album cover saying, I still st- say they stink on the album cover. And like, I understand that they were trying to, it was like a, a joke and what they were trying to do, but the whole album cover being a comic strip and, you know, and the band had such an iconic look, especially at that point in time. And you put like a, a comic strip of the band on the album cover. It just doesn't do it for me at all. I think that's, it's just an awful album cover, especially for where they were at, at the time. And then, I think we're all going to agree that Asylum has to be on my list as well. I don't think I can leave off Asylum. Um, I, I don't think we can leave that off the list at all. So, there's no doubt about it. Um, so, those are my top three worst Kiss album covers. Sorry, Julian, that we all picked Asylum. but it, <laughs> I didn't pick Asylum. Oh, you mentioned it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you missed. <laughs> but I guess, but and there and there are good songs on, on Asylum, and I guess Asylum is a perfect example of you shouldn't judge an album by looking at it. And that there there are very good songs on Asylum. I mean, Daniel mentioned that he wanted to hear you know King of the Mountain on 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 the Kiss Cruise. It's a fantastic song. You know, I love I love Tears Are Falling and Who Wants to Be Lonely. They're both fantastic songs and. Unfortunately, the album cover just gives a perception, and people are like, ah, I think I'll pass on that. So, <laughs> unfortunately. It should have used the Creatures reissue cover. That would have been a little bit better, at least. It would have been better yeah. than what's on there, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do another worst of. How about we do worst Kiss makeup songs? Yeah. Worst three songs a band has put out while wearing makeup. You guys are thinking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're thinking, I'll go. How about that? <laughs> Worst three songs Kiss put out without makeup, with makeup on. I'm going to say number one is going to be... Start, the... start with number three. Pardon the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> start with number three. Yeah. Is you're all that I want off of Unmasked? Mm. Awful all song. That I want. <laughs> we talked about this last week. How awful of a song that is. You're all that I need. And for some reason, they decided they needed to play it while they were out on tour for Unmasked. But that's my number three. Number two, I'm gonna say just a boy off the Elder. It's almost unlistenable to me. I can't listen. To I am just a boy. <laughs> I mean, no, you guys laugh. Can you, you guys drive? Do you guys get in your car and drive down the street and you, do, and you sing along? I am just a boy. Someone drive by by you and you're singing that. They're gonna call the cops on you. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna call you a pedophile and lock you up. <laughs> Jeez. So that's number two, and number one. I gotta say that song they put out with that Japanese girl band about a year ago. Oh yeah, really? It's bad, in my opinion. I know some people like it, but I think that's it's bad. 
and I know it doesn't appear on a Kiss album, thankfully, but it's still out there, and they only made it for Japan and those shows that they did over there about a year ago, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't blame I just you. Put it at that. I just, I just don't like it. But I think, I think there were, there were at least things in the video that made sense and was kind of cool at, at times. If if you watched the video, they went back to the comic thing a little bit. So I kind of enjoyed the video at mm. times. I think it was yeah. kind of cool. But but the song, it, it's not just, it, it's just not Kiss. Something yeah. else. What, what is that genre is called like? Japan yeah. pop or something. I don't know. It's oh, a certain uh, genre. It's very big. Or something like that. And yeah, they're very big in Japan. And I, and I get, yeah, like yeah. I said, I get why they did it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I understand it. But I, it's just not my it's, taste. It's not Kiss to me. You know what I mean? It's still awful. It's still awful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Daniel, what about you? What are your three worst Kiss makeup uh, songs? Kiss have, Kiss have done a lot of covers through the years. Some successful, like, Gotta Give Rock and Roll to You. Uh, what else? Yeah, the, the one they did for Destroyer, King of the Nighttime World. Great pick. Uh, but then they have done some really, really awful choices. I remember in, um, in my third place, I have one from Love Gun. I think it's a cover, isn't it? Then she... Kissed me. Then, then she kissed me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and how the hell they didn't choose Rocket Ride... Over that one, Ace Frehley come came in with Rocket Ride to the Love Gun sessions. And they said, ah, ah, pretty good, but let's put on this song. We have a great cover. Then she kissed me. We'll choose that instead of your Rocket Ride Ace. I mean, I uh, I'm not surprised he left the band a few years later. And then uh, they did one for... It, actually, it was a publicity stunt. Uh, it was for publicity reasons in the early days. Kissing Time. What a god-awful tune. It has nothing to do on a Kiss album. So they did some poor choices when they picked covers. Uh, and in first play, place, I remember being really puzzled when I heard this one the first time. Uh, I remember buying the early albums Kiss, Hotter in Hell and Dress to Kill in at the same time. And then there was one song that I really, I couldn't get my head around. What, what is this? And it was this song called Love Theme from Kiss. <laughs> just, just terrible. And if you're going to do some kind of mental track, at least do something... Uh, nothing happens in the song. It's like a rhythm guitar going round and round and round, and then it ends. Terrible song. So that's my number one of all time. The worst song ever. That's my list. <laughs> Even worse than the Japan song. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Do you like that song, you guys? Do you like Love no, Theme? No, I don't, I don't like Love Theme. Not really. I, well, I don't I, like Kissing Time either. Maybe Mark, who's a musician, sees something in it. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what my top three is, and you'll be very surprised here because my top three are almost identical to Daniel's. Because number three that I have is She's So European. I, I really hate that song. It's just a terrible <laughs> song. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking there with that song. I mean, I know they're trying to make pop songs and stuff like that, but just lyric topic-wise is just unbelievably just out of, the, out of their wheelhouse completely, I think. I don't know. 
what they're trying to do with that song is just ridiculous. But number two was Then She Kissed Me. I, I agree that that's one of the worst covers they've ever done. And I remember the very first time I heard that, I was like, this can't be the song I'm thinking it is because I think my parents actually own the original version of it. And I was like, no, come on. That's, that's when you know something's wrong. When your record collection starts intersecting with your parents' one, something's <laughs> wrong, okay? That, that's not a good thing, right? And my number one worst song is Love Theme from Kiss. I, the very first time I heard that, I thought it just sounded like a really bad porno song. Like, just yeah. it should have been in some bad yeah. '70s porno. That yeah. it was Perfect. really, it was Perfect. terrible. I just couldn't believe that that was on there because it just, like Daniel said, it was so directionless. There was no point in it. It just, it was just like we have two and a half more minutes that we need, guys. Do you have anything else? They're like, well, we have this, and they're like, okay, great, we'll just record it, and that's it. You know? <laughs> you had what? They were already playing Watching You Live. No, no, let's not put Watching You on the album. Let's put Love Theme from Kiss on the album. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty bad, too. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Ken, what about you? All right, well, you know, the Love Theme from Kiss thing, it's not on my list, but uh, I think that's that's that was really part of uh, the longer... I think song Acrobat, Acrobat yeah. and yeah. they should have just done the full thing. It probably would have worked better than stripping that piece out of it um, and doing it like that. You know, it doesn't make much sense. So anyway, that wasn't on my list, but uh, on my list is um, uh, then she kissed me, just like you know, <laughs> yeah, Daniel and I think Mark. It just didn't make sense. I believe they were going to attempt to do Jailhouse Rock instead uh, by, you know, the Elvis Presley song. I would have rather have heard that. And I think they thought, well, it's too soon or something because it was shortly after Elvis died. Uh, I or think died it was going to be on Alive 2. I think they were going to do... I was mean, that where it was? Well, it was, okay. It yeah. could have been there. And maybe I'm wrong. Julian's not here. I, yeah. That's <laughs> Julian. Um uh, but yeah, I would have rather had something else or, or an original song like Daniel said, Rocket Ride would have would have worked perfectly on yeah. there too. But you know, you can't give Ace more than one song. Oh gosh, no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and another one is uh, I finally found my way to you. Yeah. I just I cannot. <laughs> oh, is it even called that? I'm mad I didn't say that. Oh, my God, I finally. Found I'm not sure. Way I don't to remember. get sick. I mean, I was just like, oh man, I didn't say that. It's, ho- it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Uh, I, I cannot. <laughs> it's a skip. I, I have to skip it. I cannot listen to that thing the whole way through. Don't do it. It's impossible. Nothing okay. can keep me from you. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 Uh, nothing can. Me, that's the other one, right? Yeah, that's the one uh, that was on Detroit Rock City soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. that one. Um, yeah, I cannot. That's the other one. I cannot handle that one. Um, they're so similar and so similar, and both. You put them in the same category. It's poorly crap. written, <laughs> poorly written, dreary, dreary songs. I mean, they're an attempt to try to capitalize on the Aerosmith uh, success of their uh, ballads oh. that they had around at the time, and it just didn't work. You know. It's, it's too bad when they did those soundtrack songs like Nothing Can Keep, whatever it was called, that crap song. If, 
And, and when you see Paul Stanley do a solo and you have songs like Live to Win, that's a perfect Kiss song. I, I always yeah. thought what would happen with that song if they had that song on a Kiss album. On a Kiss album with some better yeah. production. Better production mm-hmm. and It'd not going for for the current, you know, trying to be so hip. Sound. Just yeah. do it as a Kiss song. It would work. It would be perfect. So uh, uh, that's always. Uh, 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 I think that was. They missed out on that one. He, and and uh, I think uh, he had a couple of songs on that album that would have worked well on, on a Kiss album if you did a little bit. You know, as long as you have to change the production somewhat. But uh, but nothing can keep me from you and, and the other crap song you mentioned there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were. Finally thinking. found my way. God, it's uh, bad. I think I Jillian. Li- I haven't listened to it in over ten years. I yeah. think Jillian had said once before in a prior. He said, "Nothing can keep me from puking." Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh. that's what he said. It's awful. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I didn't think about that one. That might be that. I should have put that one on my list. That's it's kind of strange when you, when you talk about your favorite band and you can mention like fifty. <laughs> that you Just start rattling off all these songs that we hate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I should have had that one on my list. There's more songs that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Um, we'll call it a call it a show. We, we always talk about Kiss on this show. So one thing we talked about was one thing we I mentioned we could do is um, talk about our top three bands um, that we love other than Kiss. We always talk about Kiss and. Just to prove we're not so one-dimensional, and that's not all we listen to. Some of my friends think that's all I listen to is Kiss 100% of the time. You know, I think, no, I, I really do like other things. So what are you guys' top three other bands other than Kiss? Daniel, let's start with you. Yeah, no, don't start with me. Oh, then fine. Mark, let's start with you. I have to think a little bit. Okay, well, I can, I can go if you want. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. Okay, well, I'll do from three to one, just so Daniel approves, of course. Um, My number three favorite band is King Crimson. Now, I don't know if many of you guys are familiar with their music, but they're they're like, excuse me, they're like the blueprint of progressive rock, these guys. They came out in 1969. They have that album in the Court of the Crimson King and they had that song, you know, 21st Century Schizoid Man. I'm sure everybody's heard that song before, right? But I really love these guys. They're like the epitome of experimental music. I mean, you know, you, you can they have like 11-minute songs that go into two or three different time signatures and different rhythms. And, like, I just saw them on tour recently. They came through Toronto, and their, their lineup now, they have three drummers, you know, two guitar players. It's such a fascinating band to watch live. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands easily in the world. Uh, number two is Yes. I really love Yes. They, they've been high on my list for music for a long, long, long time. I mean, I have all, all their records on CD, tape, vinyl, like you name any form. I have all their live DVDs. I got, I got everything. I mean, my whole room is littered with Yes stuff. I just love that band. I've always loved, and I loved all their different lineup changes, even without John Anderson. I've liked them now. With John Anderson, I love it. I mean, Close to the Edge is probably one of the greatest progressive rock albums of all time. But being Canadian, and my patriotic Canadian heart can only go one way for number one, and that's Rush. That, to me, is the greatest band ever. Everything else, like, is here. Rush, and then everything else is kind of 
under it. Like it just goes down to this nice tree of other bands that I like. But <clears throat> I mean, Rush is just everything that I I just love that band. Like I can't even express how much I love them. I mean, even when I started making my own bands, they were always three piece bands. I never wanted to be anything but a three piece because of Rush. And whenever we would write songs and do stuff, you know, my other bandmates would say, well, we can't put, you know, a keyboard part in here. There's only three of us. I'm like, no, no, no. If Rush can do it, we can do it, you know? So they were always my motivation for songwriting, for live playing. I mean, I just, and they, they also made it cool in my eyes to experiment because, I mean, the first four records they did were like really hard rockish. Then they started experimenting more into progressive stuff. Then they started dabbling into more commercial kind of songs. And then they went totally synth in the eighties. And in my mind, they've made it cool that you could experiment and still keep your fan base, which they did. I mean, sure, it dwindled here and there in times, but <clears throat> Rush fans stayed loyal with them, and I've been loyal with them from day one since I've heard them till now, and. The saddest moment of my life was when they announced that they're no longer going to be doing any long-term tours anymore. That, to me, just brought a tear to my eye because that's one of the greatest live bands I've ever seen in my life. So Rush is numero uno. God save Rush. There you go. It's not a big shock. We figured that would be your number one. But, you know, <laughs> more power to you. I, I can understand what it's like to be that passionate about something. So, Absolutely. Ken, what about you? Well, one of them, I'll get one out of the way. No particular order. Um, like Mark, uh, Rush is another one of my favorite <laughs> bands, um, which, I, you know, I got into them back in, I think around the same time I got into Kiss, actually, um, about 77. And, uh, and, you know, I knew this band was something different and special. Um, their musicianship, I mean, just top notch, and it, they're, they're you know just unique. There's nothing compares to them. So uh, it's a nice, unique diversion from you know Kiss because um, that's totally a different type of music. Uh, but it's their music is good, and and I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy their I enjoy more of the older stuff. Um, there's some newer stuff they've done that are pretty good. They, they're kind of going back to what they used to do, but uh, um, you know I enjoy the early stuff you know, up to the early 80s, from the early 70s all the way to the early 80s. So that's the cream of the crop for me, at least, for them. Um, another band which I think most people may have heard of um, that I like uh, is Blackfoot. Um, I really enjoyed mm. Blackfoot back in their heyday. I think they were the best, to me, the best in a hard rock southern. I mean, they were hard rock. Yeah, really, a southern rock band, and you may know song like you know Train Train or mm -hmm. Highway Song is another one, big one that the you know special. And they didn't have a lot of hits, but there's a there's an album period there, like a, I I say the core three for them that they had in the row were you know uh, Blackfoot Strikes, uh, Blackfoot Tom Catton, and Blackfoot Marauder. Those three albums uh, in a row. Um, man, those things were great. All, a lot of good songs, and uh, they rocked the great band. I don't know. Uh, they should have been bigger than they were. Uh, 
unfortunately. Ricky Medlock, who was the lead singer, uh, he's in you know Leonard Skinner now, you know, which he was in before Blackfoot, the original Leonard Skinner, and then he came back. So yeah, there's a there's a picture of the original lineup from Blackfoot. So um, yeah, good uh, good good group. Now another one is another one that I should have achieved a bigger success also, which I enjoy. Their music a ton uh, is Shooting Star. Um, Shooting Star had a lot of great songs. Uh, 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 I guess some people have compared them to Kansas in a way, but they're not. They're not Kansas. They're a little heavier. They're heavier than that. But they've got this because they had a violin, uh, you know, in their in their music. Um, and that's like a later picture of their the group, but the early lineup of of group of the group were, was great, um, and had a lot of great songs. Saw them live once, um, but uh, there's a there's an album called Hang On for Your Life. They had maybe a hit or two um, uh, from that on the radio that you probably could have heard. Um, yeah, there you go. So. Good band. I they should have again should have achieved bigger, much bigger success. I think they had some problems with their album or their record company screwing them over <laughs> and stuff like that, which you, what you else hear a lot. You? you hear a lot in the business. So, but that, those are those are three. There's more, but yeah, those are three. Excellent picks. Excellent picks as well. All right, Daniel, what do you got? Uh, in third place, I have to pick a Swedish band. Um, I'm not sure if you heard of uh, Entombed or uh, uh, Helicopters. <laughs> Entombed? I heard of Entombed. I yeah, love yeah. Entombed. And the, one of the members was called Nicky Anderson. Nicky Anderson in American, maybe. Uh, and uh, he actually formed a band a few la- years later called the Imperial State Electric. And he was always a big Kiss fan, and it really shows in in the songs. If you put on a song called uh, "Sheltered in the Sand," you, it's like something off of Paul Stanley's solo album. It's so it's almost uh, you can see that it's "Wouldn't You Like to Know Me," but with a you know uh, kind of "Wouldn't You Like to Know Me." And when you listen to other songs from him, it sounds like well, isn't did, wasn't this song on Unmasked and wasn't this on Creatures? I mean, you see the influence in his songs. And because I'm such a huge Kiss fan, uh, I like his uh, his albums. So Imperial State Electric. You, if someone wants to check them out there or on YouTube and start with Sheltered in the Sand and you will see the Kiss resemblance. In second place, <clears throat> when I was a kid, you didn't have a lot of money, and you actually had to buy the albums. So back in like '92, a few bands came onto the scene, like Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, uh, Alice in Chains, and a few others. And I had to pick one album to buy. I didn't have enough money to buy all of them, so I picked a strange-looking cover with a body in the sand, somewhat rising up from the sand, and it was Alice in Chains' Dirt. And even though I I have a hard time with the dark lyrics, uh, I think that album is one of my favorites. So I have to say Alice in Chains in second place. And in first place, 
a band that I didn't buy at the time that also came onto the scene uh, was Stone Temp. Yeah, that's the album. Such a great album. And in first place, you might have this one as well, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, or it, I should say maybe Scott Wieland, because uh, I like the Stone Temple Pilots early stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe the two or thir three first albums. And then I liked Velvet Revolver. Maybe Lonnie liked that mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, especially songs like Slither, such a great tune, works so well live. and and. Yeah, there he is. Scott. And the main thing with Scott was that he was probably one of my top uh, frontmen of all time. It's I mean, fantastic. It was, it was incredible. And if you go to YouTube, you can look up. Uh, in 2000, they did the something called the Voodoo Festival. Voodoo Festival, I think it was called Voodoo Festival. And he's on fire on uh, on that uh, occasion. So go and look. Look up Stone Temple Pilots in the year 2000, Voodoo Festival. Such a great performance. And I actually liked the final record he did with a band that really wasn't a band, Art of Anarchy. And I, and I remember, and I especially remember one of the songs was kind of, it sounded like Heavens on Fire. So one of those, I don't remember the title, but one of the songs reminded me of Heavens on Fire. Uh, and Scott Whelan. Uh, unfortunately, he, he died too early, uh, but I, I don't think anyone was surprised. But but he was maybe my favorite, uh, you know, frontman of all time, and I liked almost everything he did. So I'll, I'd put Scott Whelan in my number one spot, or Stone Temple Pilots. Good pick. Good pick, all, all around. Um, for my top three... Number three is really hard because I have Kiss. I set Kiss high, and I set the, my what I'm going to say for number one and number two really high also. And then I have a bunch of bands that I like after that. You know what I mean? So for my number three, I'm going to say Motley Crue, mm. um, just because I've, I've I've they were, you know, Doctor Feelgood came out like in '89. That and I was you know 10 years old, and I really loved kind of like Kiss going back and discovering all their earlier stuff too, and um, you know, I, I never got to see them really in their, in their prime, I guess, you know, by the time I got to see him, you know, Vince is singing about half the lyrics and things like that. And, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, you can, and, and I don't know, maybe, and I guess, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories that they were better live back in the day, but I love, I love all their music though. Even I love the John Karabi CD. Um, and actually, um, Saints of Los Angeles, the last album that they put out, I guess it was about 2009 or so, maybe 2008, um, is actually one of my favorite Motley Crue albums. I think they really went back to back and, and said, you know what, let's do one album right. You know, as maybe it's our last chance to do a, an album that we really need to do together as a band. It's actually one of my favorite Motley Crue albums. What do you think about 6AM, then? I like 6AM also. Yeah, I really do. I like them as uh, Yeah, well. I mean, they're really good. I, Nikki's, Nikki just still has that drive to make music. you got to give him that. that yeah, yeah, Motley finished, and he went right back into that. He he still has that, that fire deep inside and of how, him. And how old is that guy? He looks like 35, but he can't be 35. No, anymore. he's he's got to be 50 or so, doesn't he? I think he's more. Yeah, yeah. He's, 50 yeah he's, he's 50 some odd. He's gotta I think be. he's born in 58 because he has 1958 on his. That's right. Yeah. So they're my number three. 
Uh, number two for me is Alice Cooper. I love Alice. I guess it's kind of like a kiss thing though, too, the theatrics of of the live band. But I also love I I love Alice's music. Like Alice is a lot like Kiss, where he has a lot of different styles within his catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has the early stuff before like schools out before he got hooked up with Bob Ezra and some of that early stuff is really strange and really doesn't sound like Alice at all. And then you have like Alice in his prime with, with, with schools out and with billion dollar babies and, and Alice Cooper goes to hell and things like that. And then welcome to my nightmare. And then he has some really strange stuff in there, like flush the fashion, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just really off the wall type stuff. And then he goes glam in the 80s, and he comes back to his roots with the stuff he's done more recently, like with the long camera spider and, and things like that. So Alice, is, is, to me, is like a mirror image of Kiss, where he's gone through all different members of the band. He's all, gone through all different genre phases, and it's kind of come full circle. And I, I, I love, but I, I can listen to any of it, just like with Kiss. I can listen to all those different genres and, and still appreciate everything that he's done. And then yeah. my number one is not going to be a big surprise because I talk about him on the show a lot is Guns N' Roses. Um, mm. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember when, I mean, I remember buying Appetite as a kid and remember getting Lies and I remember getting Usual Illusion 1 and 2 the day they came out and my mom told me I couldn't go buy Usual Illusion 1 and 2 until I got done with my homework and I, <laughs> and I flew through my homework so I could go out and buy those records, you know. And, and my brother and I, you know, we did, like, the same thing I think a lot of kids our age did um, when, like, Usual Illusion 1 and 2 came out. Like, he bought Usual Illusion 1, I bought Usual Illusion 2, you know. And we, you know, went to each other's rooms and taped it for each other so we each had a copy. And, I, you know, I think a lot of brothers did that or best friends did that back in the day because you couldn't afford two CDs when you're 10, 11, 13 years old, whatever. So, and then I didn't, and I and I will say this, though, when, when the original band broke up, I guess, when, when Slash and Duff left. I, I didn't follow them as much. One, because they don't come to St. Louis because um, no one will book them here because of the riot. And, you know, I never, I've never gone to see you know, them on these tours with with um, DJ Ashba and, and the other mem- revolving members of the band. And, you know, I bought Chinese Democracy the day it came out, and um, I appreciate it for what it is. And there's some decent songs on there. But... You know, to me, it still it just wasn't Guns N' Roses because Guns N' Roses to me was just like a gang in itself. It was a band, and um, I'm really excited about seeing them next month in Kansas City. So, I mean, they're my they're my number two favorite band, I guess, of all time, right behind Kiss. So, cool. What do you think about Axel DC then? I like it. I like the stuff I've heard. I mean, I, mean, I wasn't yeah, crazy about the idea, great. but it no. sounds really good to me. Yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, I think it's it sounds really great. great. So I'm interested to see how what goes with what happens with that moving forward. Yeah, you know what I mean, I mean nothing, nothing, nothing happens with Axel, and then he fronts Guns N' Roses and ACDs at the same time. Right. You don't hear anything from him for a couple no, no, of years, no, 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 no. and all of a sudden, bam! I don't know. I was yeah. t- I was telling a friend of mine. I think he might have had like some kind of life changing event or something, or maybe some near death experience because all of a sudden he's back. He's made up with Slash, made up with Duff. He's yeah. going to go out on tour with them. Oh, he's going to go out and play with ACDC. He's doing all these things all of a sudden where he's basically been like a recluse spider for like the last 20 yeah. years. Yeah, money. I mean, he's you, running into <laughs> cash. I don't know. You know and have you, but but, but have you meeting and greeting with fans outside. Yeah, that's Back in the day, yeah. you would never yeah. see yeah. him meet and greeting with fans. Yeah. Ever. No. So well, you can't pull that stuff with with you can't pull that kind of crap with Angus and them, you know, being a, two hours late for a show. They would no, they would have beat his ass. Oh, yeah. Well, 
I think so. I, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe I'm just speculating, but I think maybe something happened to him and like he had some kind of life-changing event or had some kind of near-death experience, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be a dick anymore. <laughs> I don't know. So it's bringing a lot of joy to a lot of people right now. Absolutely. Hey, Lonnie, I would have put also uh, Alice on my list, but I wasn't thinking of him as a band. I mean, more Alice Cooper artists. band kind of was – was no more no more a band. Uh, I think after '74, it was right. And it was, it's just it was him show. with now a bunch of supporting act right, uh, right. behind him. Uh, but so I love everything he's put out. Alice, Alice is one of my yeah favorites too. Absolutely. Uh, do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that guitar player who played like a M60? Kane Roberts. Like yeah, yeah Kane Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. That's right. Kane yeah, Roberts. muscles, muscle guy. Right? Oh my. <laughs> he was pretty good, actually. He's not a bad, not a bad guitar player. He's a pretty good songwriter too. Yeah. I, th- I think he had his his looks against him, you know. Yeah, it, it that's what they like... all focused on. Yeah, yeah. The Rambo with a guitar, you know. Rambo with a guitar, <laughs> and then he used a machine gun sort of, to exactly. play him. That like, that's it. I haven't seen him for a while. All right. Well, those are some of our top threes. Um, for Kiss and then our top three bands. So you guys out there um, watching on YouTube, listening on iTunes, um, Google Play, Spreaker, however you choose to listen to the show, um, leave us some feedback on the FAQ message board. Leave us some feedback on YouTube. Tell us what you think about our choices for our top threes, for our bottom threes. Tell them, tell us what you think. What are some of your other favorite bands besides Kiss? Obviously, if you're, you're a Kiss fan, if you're listening to this or watching this, but what are some of your other favorite bands too? Um, feel free to criticize us or feel free to agree with us tell us no. tell us say no i think asylum's a great album cover but, <laughs> you know let us know what you think leave us some feedback um i'd love to to hear what you guys have to say guys that listen so um i'd like to thank julian for letting us do the show this week even when he wasn't available i hope we don't don't embarrass him too much so um thank you all for listening thank you for watching episode 74 of the kiss faq podcast thank you to daniel mark Ken, I'm Lonnie Weissar. Leave us some feedback. Tell us what you think. You stay close. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Mm-hmm.